Welcome to 321 I Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, the chair and co founder of I Relaunch, and your host for today. Today, we welcome Mac Pritchard, founder and publisher of Mac's List, an online platform that connects talented professionals with meaningful local work opportunities. He's also the author of Land Your Dream Job Anywhere and host of the weekly career advice podcast, Find Your Dream Job. I should also mention that Mac maintains a top list of career podcasts and 321 I Relaunch was named to it, a great honor for us. Mac is based in Portland, Oregon. Mac, welcome to 321 I Relaunch. Well, thank you for having me on the show, Carol. It's an honor. Well, thrilled to have you. And I want to first start by asking you how you got started in the job board and job search business in the first place. Can you please give us a little history on that? Well, it started with my own unemployment. I learned because I was out of work twice, once in my 20s and once in my 30s for seven months each time, I learned about the value of networking and staying in touch with your colleagues and and contacts. So when I left a position in state government here in Oregon, uh, about 17 years ago now, I started sharing job postings with colleagues because nobody objects to hearing about a a job opening, especially if it's a good one. And that list grew very slowly, but uh, within about a decade, I turned it into a, a small business. And today, we are a regional job board that serves people throughout the Pacific Northwest and attracts about 50,000 unique visitors a month. And we also invest a lot of time and effort in teaching people how to look for work, because as we'll talk later in the show, I know many jobs never get posted on any job board. And so people who want to have satisfying careers have to learn how to find and get what are called hidden jobs. Great. Well, I definitely want to talk to you about um, all of those topics um, in our conversation today. Um, Can we first, though, talk about the economy? We're in a situation where we have the lowest national unemployment rate in recent history. And I understand, in part from looking at materials that you produce, that in Portland, Oregon, you've had 3% unemployment for a much longer period. So maybe there are some lessons that the rest of the country can learn there. And I wanted to know if you can comment on how Portland area businesses successfully access top talent without continuously poaching from each other. Well, one of the ironies of the current economy is uh, even though the unemployment rate is at, at record lows, not only in Portland, but in cities across America, you still I still talk to employers and job seekers who are frustrated with how the hiring process works. And one of the reasons why they get frustrated, I think, Carol, is it's never been easier to apply for a job. The technology today makes it so easy to send off dozens, uh, even hundreds of resumes. And it's never been easier easier for employers to collect those and people are, but the fact remains, you're only going to hire one person. And so uh, the employers, I think, who are successful at attracting the best talent do something that the best ones have always done, which is they look to their networks, uh, particularly their employees, but also their peers and leaders in professional groups, 
and they get recommendations uh, about who the best candidates are out there. And they don't rely just on job boards like mine. It's job boards are just one tool. And I think it's important for job seekers, no matter where they are in their career, to understand how the system works. Because when you understand how the system works, Carol, you can make it work for you. And if you don't understand uh, and you're looking at it from the outside, it can seem impenetrable and frustrating, even in a time like this when it feels like there's an abundance of jobs out there, and there in fact are, uh, but you're, you may not be moving ahead in your search um, and for some of the reasons we just, uh, that I just mentioned. Well, I'm really, really glad to hear you talk, use that language that it, it can feel to the job seeker that the market is impenetrable. Um, because, you know, we at iRelaunch have a community of over 65,000 relaunchers who are on all stages of relaunching their careers. And some relaunches take longer than others. And, you know, an average relaunch could take six months to over a year. And it, it's definitely a process. And it can get depressing over a while, over time, especially if you're trying to conduct a job search in an environment where you're hearing all the time that the unemployment rate is at historic lows and you think, wow, the, the unemployment rate is at historic lows and, and I seem to be still having trouble getting a job and it, it makes it especially depressing. So how do, you, how do you counsel people in today's environment? Well, again, I would say that I, I first let me say that I identify with that because uh, both of those times when I was unemployed myself earlier in my career, it was at times of record unemployment, and I wondered what in the world am I doing wrong? Uh, because every way, every month that unemployment rate would come out, and it got lower and lower, and uh, my search didn't seem to be moving forward at all. And I, and I also know personally what it's like to cash that un last unemployment check. Um, what I would say to people who are, are struggling with the search right now is you got to learn job hunting is a skill. And it's something that often we, we don't pay attention to because we may not change jobs uh, all that often. It, uh, or the positions we have have come to us through word of mouth or uh, through internal promotions. And so we haven't had as many opportunities to practice job hunting as a skill. And then when particularly you have an unexpected period of unemployment or by plan, you take some time off and you want to come back to the workplace. If you haven't gotten good at job hunting as a skill, it's going to be challenging to, uh, to do a search. And so my first piece of advice, Carol, would be recognize that looking for work is like any skill, whether it's riding a bike or uh, playing an instrument or learning a language. You can learn how to do it, uh, and you have to invest time in, in doing that. Um. When I just want to get into that in a little more depth, do you tell people that they should have a certain expectation of a certain amount of time or is, does it really, I know it partially depends on you have to figure out exactly what you want to do and how soon it takes you to do that. Um, but what are you seeing in terms of ranges? It depends on where people are in their career. Uh, and obviously the farther along you are, the more time it, may take. It's not uncommon for someone who is in mid-career or uh, moving into 
uh, the last third of their career to take six months or more, uh, even up to a year to find a new position. That's why it's important uh, if you're thinking about making a change uh, and, you're, and you're currently employed to recognize the amount of time it's going to take to do that. Uh, I, I find that where, wherever you are in your career, uh, the people who have the most successful searches and in the end, probably the shortest are the people who get clear about their goals and invest time in, uh, in figuring out how to look for work. Well, unfortunately, a lot of people think that the only way to look for work is to look at job boards and Carol, I run a job board here in the Pacific Northwest. I'm very proud of the value we offer employers. But as I know we're going to talk about later, most jobs never get posted anywhere. They get filled by word of mouth uh, through networks and professional relationships. And there are reasons why that happens, uh, and we can talk more about them. But I think listeners and any and all job seekers have to understand how that system works and, again, learn how to navigate it. And they can... And when they do that, they'll start finding these uh, so-called hidden jobs, and they'll and they'll uh, they'll be able to position themselves to not only find out about them, but to get them as well. So I want to get into that a little bit about what is the hidden job market because I know you use that term and you talk about that on in on your website and your books, you know, as, as, as part of um, the content that you produce, can you give us a more, a, a fuller definition of what it is and maybe um, the beginnings of some advice in terms of uh, how to navigate the hidden job market? Yes. Uh, hidden jobs are these positions that are never posted publicly and they don't appear on, on a company's website uh, or, the big or regional or even local job boards. And the reason that happens, Carol, is uh, managers are, uh, they're concerned about risk. And I know you know that it's just as, as anyone does who has managed, a, uh, worked as a manager in a company, knows that it's expensive and uh, time consuming to make a bad hire. It's not good for the company. It's not good for the employee. You have to let go. So, to manage that risk, um, many managers look to people they've worked with in the past, or they invite people who have been recommended by others they trust as to come in and, and interview for positions. And that's the hidden job market. And the good news here is you don't have to have gone to college with a, with a manager or be an in-law uh, even people with the weakest of connections who are vouched for by a trusted source can uh, position themselves to be great candidates and get in front of hiring managers and not only find out about these hidden jobs, but get them. So that gets us into territory where we um, do a lot of discussion with our own relauncher population because we do, we tell relaunchers that they can't conduct their relaunch from behind their computer at their home. And they shouldn't, you know, a researching jobs online and applying through for jobs online um, through job boards or directly into the company. 
that should be part of their strategy, but it can't drive their whole strategy. Uh, they have to get out of the house. They, they have to go public with their job search. Um, but the, the other thing is that relaunchers worry that they don't have, or, or the voice that they have of someone who could vouch for them is someone who they maybe worked with in the past. And so it's kind of an old reference. Um, and maybe their more current references are people with whom they have done volunteer work or they, or they know in a different context. So any comment on, you know, people who vouch for other people and help bring that resume to the top of the pile, does it have to be an ex-colleague or have you seen uh, that person be in a different role? Well, a couple of things I want to comment on. First is your point about how people spend their time because there are estimates out there, Carol, that as many as 80% of all jobs that are open are never posted publicly. And I meet people, and I, it sounds as, as if you do as well, who spend 100% of their time looking for publicly posted positions or in front of computers. So your time is your most valuable asset, uh, especially during a job search, and you need to think about how you're spending it. Uh, to, it one of the, the way you find out about these jobs that are, are never uh, advertised is through networks. And it means that you've got to get good at informational interviews and you've got to, as you say, get out of the house and away from the computer and go to industry events and uh, association meetings and start talking to folks, but also having informational interviews. And these are structured conversations. These aren't casual coffee meetings, but they're focused and with particular goals in mind. Because when you have those conversations, to your question about, well, how do you get someone to vouch for you to put your name in front of a hiring manager? If you have those meetings in a, in a focused, thoughtful way, uh, and you're going to make a good impression. You, the person is, the people that you meet will tell you about what's happening in their industry, who might be hiring, who's growing, who's adding staff, and you have the opportunity to ask for introductions to others and people will do that because we're all hardwired hard to want to help others. People do want to be helpful. So again, the good news here is you can network strategically to find out not only about opportunities, but get in front of people who are making hiring decisions. And it doesn't uh, require close relationships that go back decades. Uh, if you run these meetings, if, if you, uh, network in a in a thoughtful, strategic way, even the weakest ties can lead you to discover these unadvertised jobs and get you in front of the hiring managers. Got it. So uh, one more question on that. But before I ask, I just want to remind our listeners that you are listening to 321 I Relaunch. This is your host, Carol Fishman Cohen, and I am speaking with Mac Pritchard, founder and publisher of Mac's List and author of Land Your Dream Job Anywhere. Uh, he has a podcast and is based in Portland, Oregon, and just a wealth of information about uh, the job search process uh, and job boards and th the whole picture of careers from both the employer and the employee uh, perspective. Um, so I, I want to um, 
ask you a little bit more about if you take the uh, perspective of the employer, what advice do you have for employers in terms of how they conduct their job searches to find the right people so they're not overlooking um, people who maybe might come in the conventional way uh, through uh, your job board or another job board, for example? Um, or is, is there any other advice that you give to um, employers so they're not missing the perfect candidate? Well, common concerns we hear from employers who we work with who post positions on our board, Carol, include, uh, I'm not getting enough applications, I'm not hearing from as many diverse communities as I hoped, uh, and I'm getting people who are either overqualified or underqualified. I'm not hitting that that sweet spot I, I, I'd hope to, to, to hit. And often you can address those concerns if you're an employer by paying attention to some basic hiring practices. One is start with the job posting itself. Uh, often the job titles for many of the postings that we see are so opaque, it's hard to say exactly what the job is. And there may be internal reasons why you think it's important to use bureaucratic language in a job posting, but if be clear about what you want. And then in addition to the job title, include a salary range. Uh, I can't, there's research out there, Carol, that shows uh, candidates are much, much more likely to apply for a position if a salary range is included. And the other benefit of including a salary range is it sends a very powerful signal to potential applicants about uh, what it, about the amount of experience the employer really wants. And if you're clear about what you're going to pay, you're going to avoid those, uh, those problems with attracting people who are overqualified or, or underqualified. Uh, and finally, I would say about the job posting, it's don't use the job posting as a, a kind of research project or, or as, uh, as discovery. Be clear about what you want because you're, uh, you're much more likely to find the right candidate if you write a clear focused job posting with a salary range and a job title people can understand that is uh, it is not a wish list, but an actual description of the skills and qualifications you need to solve the problems that you have at your, at your company. You know, I'm starting to see this style of job posting where it's almost like in the first person in this job, you will be do, you will do this and you will do this. And this is what your day might look like as opposed to a listing of, you know, almost by committee of, of uh, what everything might, might include. Um, have you, do you think the voice um, or whether it's first person or third person in the job description makes a difference? I do. I think whether it's first or third person, what matters is uh, uh, cl plain, clear language. And I think uh, there is a friendlier tone that comes uh, with saying, you will do this, you will do that. Or, and uh, I think that can be a benefit. I also think in it's important to do, remember that many candidates, particularly in the current economy where the unemployment rate is so low, 
they really care about office culture and they also care about a company's mission and values and a good job posting uh, will reflect the company's culture and we'll talk about uh, the, the organization's mission and values. And when you do that, you're going to attract a higher quality of candidate and, and more candidates. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In addition to the basics and paying attention to the job posting, I find many employers also do some networking. They'll take a, uh, a posting and they'll share it with employees. Uh, they may, a hiring manager may reach out to peers or the leaders of professional associations, but usually there's there's not a formal strategic plan to do that. And that's a missed opportunity because again, the best candidates tend to come by word of mouth. And so I find that the employers are having the most success in attracting uh, the best candidates, particularly in this economy, are the ones that are providing incentives to employees to for referrals and they, once they publicly post a position, they also put the same amount of effort and, and care to thinking about how they're going to leverage their professional networks so that uh, their peers and colleagues know who they're looking, what kind of candidate they're looking for. And again, because the best candidates usually come from people that you that you know and trust. Um, I have a question for you, and and that is one of our relaunchers who was out for 11 years, an engineer, um, had, as part of her process, talked to a um, outplacement counselor. And the outplacement counselor told her, at the end of the interview, you should ask a question that says, um, let's say after six months, we um, have a you know review type conversation. And you told me I've done an excellent job. What would I have accomplished? And she said, by getting that an- the answer to that question, it was often different than what the job description was in the you know official posting. So I'm just thinking about that as a strategy for employers in creating their job postings to think about how they'd answer that question. I, I think that's a great strategy. That's also my all-time favorite job interview question, Carol. Uh, the, the way I encourage people to ask it is this. If I'm sitting down with you, if, if I'm a candidate and I'm talking to a hiring manager in a year's time and you're doing my annual review, what are the three things you want me to tell you I've done for you? Uh, and, and what happens when you're a candidate and you ask that question, and I've seen this both in my own career and with people I've worked with, uh, usually the manager pauses uh she or he is kind of surprised they and they think and they lean back and then they tell you about something that's not in the job posting that hasn't been addressed in the interview questions and the wonderful thing about that if you're a candidate is you now have information that maybe the other candidates don't have and when this manager tells you about the problem that she hopes you'll solve for her uh you've got the opportunity to look back in your own experience and think about and tell a story about how you've dealt with a similar experience and, uh, and how you would approach uh, solving this manager's problem. Because in the end, as you know, uh, employers hire people to solve problems. It's, uh, and if the more you can focus on the needs of the employer when you're a candidate, uh, the, the, the more successful you'll be. 
I also agree with you. If you're a hiring manager, if when you're constructing that position description, yes, get in the time machine. It's a year from now. What are the three things you really hope this person will, will get done? And when you answer that question in an unvarnished, honest way, uh, then that is going to help you write a much better job posting and help you attract the candidates that you need with the skills and experiences who can solve that those three problems. That's a great example and a, and a really good way to ask that question to get even more of a specific answer. And it feels to me that the the answer is usually in the details. Like when we're talking to um, relaunchers, for example, and telling them to get clarity on their career goals, it's and it, the goal is so you can communicate that to someone else and they hear some something very specific that they can respond to. It's, you're asking the employer in their job posting to be very specific about what they're looking for. So it feels like all the way around, the more specific you can get, the better it is for everyone involved. Do, do you have any other on this theme um, pieces of advice that you give to job searchers? Like you're saying, you love that that question to ask at the end of the interview. Anything else you want to throw out in that vein? Well, I think it's always important to remember that you're being solved a you're being hired rather to solve problems. I see so many job seekers, particularly at the start of their search, who get frustrated in part because they're just not clear about what they want. And I always encourage uh, job seekers to know what their goals are and don't use phrases like I'm keeping all my options open or gosh, I could do that. Uh, sure, with enough time and effort and training, most of us could learn how to do a lot of different jobs. But in my experience, the people who are most successful in their searches have a short list of goals. There are Usually there's one that they're most excited about, a job search goal, and then two or maybe a third one that they want to explore. And they use informational interviews to get clearer about uh, uh, what they want to do, but also as a, they use those conversations as an opportunity to find out what employers are looking for uh, and who might be hiring and where these uh, unadvertised jobs are. So you have to be really clear about your goals, Carol. And, uh, and if you're, if you're not, that's okay. But in the, at the start of your search, you've got to invest time and energy in getting that clarity. I'm so glad that you're giving that message to our audience because we try to emphasize that. And it is really the hardest part I've, we feel like it drives the whole rest of your job search, but it's also the part that takes the most time and introspection and, and really thinking through um, what is the best match for you at this particular stage of your life. Uh, and once you figure that out, then you know exactly what jobs to target and you can work on your resume and, and everything else kind of falls um, in line. Uh, but that is, is, is such a fundamental and difficult part of the process, and it happens right at the beginning. 
So um, we find that that can be challenging for people to allow themselves to immerse in that process and do it right. Agreed. And goal setting is hard, hard work. But to your point, your search is going to be so much more successful. And in the end, I think shorter and easier, though it's still a lot of hard work, but it'll be shorter and easier if you're clear about your goals. I would add, Carol, sometimes people think that they're making it. They, they struggle with goal setting because they're worried it's a choice they might have to live with for the rest of their career. And of course, if you step back and think about it, you recognize, oh, no, this is something I'm going to do for the next three, five, seven, maybe eight or 10 years. Especially if you're the start of your career, remember, you're not only going to change jobs uh, if you're right out of college, perhaps eight or 10 times while you're in the workforce, but you probably change uh, careers uh, two, maybe even three or four times. I'm on my fourth career right now, and I know many of the people you work with are probably starting their second or third career. And so you, when you make this choice uh, in setting your goals, it's not a life sentence, It's, uh, but it, it's going to make your the, the next three, five, eight or 10 years of your career so much more satisfying and successful. I, I completely agree with that. And I'm so glad you put that message out there. Um, we're actually running out of time. And I want to wrap up by asking you the question that we ask all of our podcast guests. And that is, what is your top piece of advice for our relauncher audience, even if it's something that we've already talked about in our conversation today? You touched on this at the beginning of our conversation, Carol. And I think it's just so true. Step away from the computer. Don't spend 100% of your time looking at job boards like mine. Yes, come to my job board, but your time is your most valuable asset. So think about how you're spending it. And if uh, you know, if only 20, 30, 40% of uh, jobs that are available are being advertised publicly, why are you spending 90, 100% of your time at the computer? You've got to get out and talk to people. And when you do that, you're going to find these jobs that never get posted and you're, and you're going to have a much more successful job search. Excellent advice. Thank you so much. Mac, um, can you tell our audience how they can find out more about your work? They can visit maxlist.org. And we did set up a special landing page for your listeners. Carol, it's... Uh, where we have information about a course we offer about how to find and get hidden jobs. Uh, once a quarter, we do a, a free webinar about uh, job hunting uh, and hidden jobs. And people, if they visit maxlist.org slash irelaunch, can sign up for that webinar. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Um, Mac, can you just spell that out, maxlist.org, uh, so, so people hear the, the, sure. the letters? Sure. It's maxlist, M-A-C-S-L-I-S-T dot O-R-G slash I relaunch. Perfect. Thank you very much. And thanks so much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure, Carol. Thank you. You've been listening to 321 I Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman-Cohen, chair and co-founder of I Relaunch and your host. 
For more information about iRelaunch, go to iRelaunch.com. And if you like this podcast, be sure to rate it on iTunes and your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to share this podcast with a friend on Facebook, Twitter, and other social media. Thanks for joining us.